It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Welcome back, everybody. Okay, everyone says failure is a part of life. Here today, here now, I'm going to rewrite that, okay? Failure is a part of success. Forget part of life. Just say failure is a part of success. That's got to be your mantra going forward from this day on. And on this podcast, we have heard stories of triumph come after, you know, near soul-crushing failure. If you're going to reach for greatness in whatever form you see it in, that's your starting line. Steal yourself for it. Now, if you're like, okay, Liz, blah, blah, blah. I know I have to fail to succeed, blah, 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 blah. I just want to know how bad the fire is going to be. Well, then have I got an outstanding example for you today. My guest today represents what could be one of the most extreme examples of it. David Meltzer went bankrupt, lost millions of dollars and most of his assets, including his mother's house. But he managed to get back on his feet and is now a successful entrepreneur, investor, best-selling author, and star podcaster. David Meltzer, welcome to Everyone Talks to Liz. I love talking to Liz. Thank you for having me. I probably choked up three times as you gave that introduction, especially about losing my mom's house. And that is a powerful statement because the only reason I wanted to be rich was to buy my mom a house in a car. And when I went bankrupt to find out that I forgot to take my mom's house out of my name and I had to go to her and tell her, not only was I bankrupt, I lost over a hundred million dollars in assets, but I had lost her home and she would have to move. This was a critical life lesson. And you talk about failure. If you're not failing, you're not trying. Totally, totally. And, and, you know, after all you've been through, how can I not be a huge fan of yours? And in January, I want my listeners to know I was out in Vegas for the Consumer Electronics Show. I got to go on your podcast, uh, The Playbook with David Meltzer, and we had such a great conversation because you listen so closely and you know the stories, but you also come from such a place of experience. But for my listeners who might not be familiar with your story, let's get into a little bit about your background, growing up with a single mom, right? And how many siblings? I thought I had a lot of siblings with four. (laughs) Yeah, I have five siblings, four brothers and a sister and a single mom who worked two jobs. And I always say she packed our dinner in a paper bag uh, and worked two jobs just so we could eat in Akron, Ohio. And but I was super happy and I learned so much, not only from my mother, but my siblings as well. Well, tell me about the struggles that you guys had in the early days that made you want to reach so high and succeed. Well, you know what? The biggest struggle was dealing with the financial stress uh, because I had such an extraordinary mom, these extraordinary siblings. My mom knew education was the way out. Uh, So she believed doctor, lawyer, or failure. Uh, The fetus wasn't fully developed till after graduate school. I used to tell my mom I wanted to be a professional football player. And she would tell me, that's fine. After med school or law school, you can be a professional football player. Uh, (laughs) So everything was education-based. And there's no doubt why my siblings ended up at Harvard, Penn, Columbia on full scholarships. And I ended up at a very good college, but I went to the only college that would let me play football, which was Occidental College, where Obama. Oxy, sure. 
<laughs> and Jack Kemp and others went. But more importantly, I grew up in a space of love. The only time that I felt frustration was financial. So if I caught my mom crying because the car broke down or we couldn't afford rent or sometimes we couldn't afford food and I see her embarrassment of pulling out food stamps, uh, you know, at the grocery store, I would say to myself, I still get choked up. I'm 54 years old. I still get choked up because I say to myself, this is not happening, right? I'm going to be so rich that I'm going to buy my mom a house and a car. I'm not going to have to do this the whole life. I'm not going to let money get in my way of happiness. And that seemed like a great inspiration, but it also caused great trauma in my life later on when I had more money than I knew what to do with and I was unhappy. <laughs> happiness is uh, the key. And, and listen, I don't like people who say money can't buy you happiness because in many ways it can't. I mean, that's just not true. But right. if that is your only goal to have money, to have a lot of things or to do something for someone else, eh, you know, it can get really tough. Uh, but but we got to say that after college, you actually went to law school, right? But instead of joining a law firm upon graduating, you took quite a risk. You found an opportunity on, on a new thing called the internet. But tell us about that <laughs> and, and how you delved into it. Yeah, well, I wanted to be rich, so I went to law school to be an oil and gas litigator because they got paid the most money. And in 1992, uh, when I graduated, I got a $150,000 job out of law school, which in 92 was a lot of money. But I also got a job offer in the internet. And my mom actually told me when I asked her what I should do, she said, the internet's a fad. She said, don't take the internet job. You need to be a real lawyer. You're going to make a huge mistake, which is where one of the lessons in life comes in of just because someone loves you doesn't mean they give you good advice. And I do always listen and care about my mom uh, and what her advice is, but I don't always take it. Uh, and I look for things that she knows about to take advice about. But anyway, nine months out of law school, uh, the internet ended up being a really big thing. I made my first million dollars. Three years after law school, we sold for $3.4 billion in 1995. Wow. Went up to the Silicon Valley, learned about raising money, Sand Hill Road. By the time I was 30, I had everything that I wanted, including my dream girl who I went to elementary school with, uh, who hated me through junior high school and high school because I threw an egg <laughs> at her in rocks. Uh, but she's my life. She's my life, my love, and my lessons all in one. Um, but we talked about money because at 30, I would have told you that money buys love and happiness. But by the time I was 40, I would tell you that money allows you to shop. And if you shop for the right things, for the right reasons, you'll be very happy. If you shop for things you don't need to impress people you don't like, which is what I did, uh, you'll be very unhappy. Well, this goes back to that point on the horizon that you do things for versus just mm, let me let me try and impress people or whatever. You just got caught up in it. That's OK. But then you, you meet famous sports agent Lee Steinberg. Well, this was in your 40s, right? I mean, famously the inspiration for the movie Jerry Maguire. And that really changed the trajectory of your life in a good way, bad way, both both like anything else i think and it's always a good way when you learn lessons and you know like anybody else in my life i look for the light the love and the lessons in it and there's no perfect people there's only ignorant people people that don't know what they don't know and so uh, lee steinberg was a genius he was a mentor of mine he was a sports genius a legal genius a marketing and pr genius but he also suffered 
uh, with addiction and it's a disease. And I learned so much from that as well. And I was blessed to have met uh, Warren Moon, you know, within 48 hours of meeting Lee Steinberg, he hired me as his chief operating officer. Within six months, I was the CEO of the most notable sports agency in the world. Uh, But that partnership with Warren Moon as well was a significant part of my relationship with Lee. And, you know, to have a global sports marketing company with Warren for over 12 years and his support in building my brand uh, in supporting me, which was so ironic because I spent so many years building, you know, Warren Moon and Troy Aikman and Steve Young and Evander Holyfield and Lennox Lewis and all these amazing people's brands. And to have someone like Warren Moon and Lee Steinberg help me when I first started writing my first book. And then Warren, especially later on with getting on stages and podcasts and movies and TV, I wouldn't be where I am today, but for Lee Steinberg and Warren Moon and what I learned both on the positive side and just like my father. And I look at Lee like my father because people, because my mom's such an angel and they say, you always speak, you know, all these great lessons your mom taught you and your father you know, you tell the story about the jacket and all this, and he left you when you were five. And, you know, I said, it's so funny because I see my father as a significant uh, impact on my life uh, because of all the negative things that I had to uh, inherit from him and learn from him. Uh, and thank goodness, the last 20 years of his life, we were reconciled and I got to see the positive side of my father. And by the time he passed four years ago, to really enjoy, just like Lee, the positive and the negative attributes. Because uh, my dad had addictions as well. Well, that to me shows the kind of person you are. A lot of people, you know, I've got red hair, so I get really mad at people and I never forget. And it's really hard for me to forgive if it's something bad. But clearly you are teaching me something about that because you were able to move forward with these relationships that probably were part of the reason that you end up losing all of your money and had to make it back again. We're not done yet. We'll be back in a moment. Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go-to home services, marketplace for getting all your jobs done well. Now you might be wondering, what exactly is Angie? Well, let me tell you, it's the nation's largest home services marketplace connecting over 150 million homeowners with skilled professionals to tackle any project big or small as a homeowner myself i always have things i want to work on for my house whether it's general home renovations or fun projects like putting in a pool with over 200,000 pros in their network angie makes it a breeze to research, compare, and hire pros, ensuring every job is done well. Whether you're fixing a leaky faucet or planning a full kitchen renovation, Angie's got your back. And get this, folks, Angie's pros aren't just any old contractors. They're your neighbors, often running small businesses right in your community. Plus, they've been rated and reviewed by others in your area. So you know you're getting quality service. So why stress over home projects when you can turn to Angie? From finding the best price to scheduling a pro at your convenience, Angie's got you covered every step of the way. So get started today at Angie.com. That's Angie.com or download the app today to get started on getting all your jobs done. That's Angie, your trusted ally in home services. What caused the, the downfall of your climb to success and how did you get back up and continue the climb? 
what caused the downfall was I always believed I had to go get healthy, go get wealthy, go get worthy and go get happy. And so I would do everything that I had. I'd have an ego involved that I was in complete control and had to be in complete control. I had what I called ignorant arrogance. Uh, I knew I didn't know what I didn't know, but I pretended like I did. Uh, and so I had the need to be separate, inferior, superior, anxious, frustrated, and angry, guilty, resentful, all these wastes of emotion, energy, and value. And I lived in a liable world, which a lot of lawyers do, right? Blame, shame, and justification. Once my wife woke me, once my wife threatened to leave me, once my wife told me that I better take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become, or I was going to end up dead. But for my wife telling me that I needed to shift a paradigm to live my life in faith again with gratitude, the number one and only common denominator of happiness, no matter how rich, poor, sick, well, tall, short you are, gratitude is the common denominator of happiness, forgiveness, which you just suggested. So I was very much like a redhead. Uh, I was very angry and attackful. Then also accountability. No more blame, shame, justification. Only what did I do? to attract this to myself and what am I supposed to learn from it? And then not only effectively communicate with her and others that are relative to me, but shift the paradigm of faith. From now on, I was gonna live my life that I already was happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy. I was gonna figure out what I was doing to interfere with it. You see, once my wife woke me up and said, wait a second, you need to believe one thing, David, that there's something bigger than you. You are not in control. There's something bigger than you. And thank goodness, that which is bigger than you, the omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing being, loves you, David, more than your mom loves you or you love your own children. Therefore, all this pain in your life, all these struggles, setbacks, and failures, they're just indicating that you're being protected and promoted to something better. You're not being punished. There's no great mountain for you to go over. You just need to clear away the pebbles in your shoes so you can easily climb over that mountain. And I shifted my paradigm and perspective over the last 16 years and have utilized my free will just as I had to make all that money to clear the interference between me and happiness, health, wealth, and worthiness. How did you handle losing your mom's house? Uh, and how did you tell her that? And how do you, sorry, yeah, <laughs> I'm bringing back some good. really no, bad memes for you. It's such an important moment. It's such an important moment in my life because uh, just as important it was with my wife leaving me and telling me I was going to die. Uh, two years later, you know, when I was living my life with the right values, thinking everything was going to be okay. It used to make my wife so nervous because I lost everything two years after I was on the right path. And I was so calm about it. And I kept telling her, I'm just being protected. The lawsuits would come. The, you know, all, all, We were living in a rented house with rented furniture in one car, three daughters under 10. And she's like, oh my God. You know, and I remember catching her crying in the house to her uncle who knew me from the time I was nine. And she's like, is he going to be able to pull us out of this? Oh my God, he seems so calm. And he said to her, Julie, I've known this boy since he was nine. I can't wait to see what he does with his back against the wall. And I was like, oh man, I'm so fired up. But meanwhile, I go bankrupt with this great mindset, heart set and handset. And I realize I gotta go to my mom's door and tell her. 
And then I realized I got to tell her she's moving. <laughs> so I knock on the door and I immediately, you could tell I get very emotional uh, and I immediately started to cry. And my mom gets terrified. Are you okay? What, what's the matter? What's the matter? And I'm just crying in front of her. Are, are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine, mom. I'm sorry. And she's like, what? Tell me what's the matter. I said, mom, I went bankrupt. I lost everything. She's like, oh, that's it. I'm like, yeah. I go, but mom, I lost your house. You're going to have to move. She goes, oh, but are you okay? I said, oh, that's so Jewish. Yes, but are you okay? Yeah. And I'm like, but here, I'm like, but mom, did you hear what I said? Because I didn't, I couldn't believe that was her response. She goes, I heard what you said. I said, mom, you have to leave. I lost your house. She said, I know. Do you need any money? Are you okay? And I just started crying. She said, why are you crying? I said, because I know what real love is, right? Like in my mind, I thought I'm older. So you probably saw the TV show Sanford and Son. And there was Red Fox who he used to always say, Elizabeth, I'm coming. You know, that's what I envisioned in my mind when I told my mom that I lost everything, you know, like, oh my God, this is it. You know, my son is a failure. This is it. I have to move. Why me? You know, and it wasn't, it was just unconditional love that I don't care where I live. I've never cared where I live. I care about you and I've only cared about you. Well, that's amazing. I mean, that's an amazing part of this journey that you've been on. And now as you found your footing and you moved forward, things came together, but it took a ton of hard work. And now you've not only got the podcast, but TV shows that have taken off and you, you recently signed a two-year deal with Apple TV to do what? So just blessed, they, uh, I signed a deal. I, I saw that Martha Stewart has signed the same deal to provide content to Apple TV for entrepreneurship. So I'm looking for people like you to pitch me some great content for great TV shows that will inspire entrepreneurs. Uh, so I have my own shows, The Playbook, Two Minute Drill, Office Hours. I have a digital show that I executive produced with entrepreneur called Elevator Pitch. Uh, I've been pitched, you know, Breaking Beyond with Bogart. Glenn Lundy's pitched me a Breakfast of Champion show. I'm looking for all types of shows to put onto Bloomberg. We did the World's Greatest Motivators with Bob Proctor, who recently passed away, and Jack Canfield and Mary Morrissey. So that that's another show. So I'm looking for over the next two years to develop these entrepreneurial shows for Apple TV. Oh, well, you know, there's so much content out there. The question is, what is the quality of it? And, you know, being able to pinpoint that or spot a winner is <laughs> this Apple Watch sucks. All right. I don't think we should cut any of this, by the way. You know, we should just keep all of this in. <laughs> I think so. People would like it. This is the real Liz and the real Dave. This is what really happens. There's no polish, no fluff needed. This is what we do. Yeah. We help people and things, planes go by and phones go off. That's real I just, life. You know, David, I just spoke to um, a bunch of kids at my alma mater, UC Berkeley, and they were worried because they were majoring in uh, College of Letters and Sciences. And they said, but I don't know what I want to do. And I'm not I'm not sort of focused at the moment. And, you know, they're surrounded by all these entrepreneur stories of, oh, I've, I've had a startup and I sold it for this much when I was 19. And then I was worth this much on paper when I was 21. And I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. 
if you're looking at me right now and saying, oh, she's, you know, she's at the network and she's so polished. I said, I was so not like that for the first 20 years of this 33 long you know, year long career. And I think people need to know that the trials and tribulations and the tears, you talk about your tears. My mother says, darling, you cried for a year when you lived in Columbus, Ohio. You know, <laughs> I, I, it was, I was crying not because I was in Columbus, Ohio, but because I said, when am I going to get to the network? It would take me another nine years. And the thing is, it's okay. That's the way it's supposed to be if you do it right. You know, um, one of the top actors who won a Tony Award, Andre De Shields, he he got up in his his um, his acceptance speech and he said, Satan wants you to take a limo, but God wants you to walk. You know, just walk. It's okay. It's the right way. You're either going to suffer from discipline or regret. And, you know, my superpower is your superpower. I'm consistent. And I'm not afraid. I remember sitting on my bed my second year in law school when the economy had fallen out. And all I wanted to do was pay off those law loans, buy my mom a house and a car. And I prayed to God. And I wasn't a religious kid. My siblings are, but I wasn't religious at all. But I prayed to God. I remember sitting there going, if you will allow me to pay off these loans, buy my mom a house and a car, if you allow me. I will shovel shit with my hands 12 hours a day, six days a week in gratitude, in gratitude. If you allow me to do this for my mom and for myself, if you allow me, I will do this. And so when I got out of law school, I had the common denominator of success, which was I had a desire like you, Liz, that I must be what I can be yeah. and whatever it was going to take. So when I did attach my emotions to an outcome and going, when will this happen? Cause it's never happening fast enough. Cause there's five levels of intention that take time. It's not just doing everything you can do. It's not just saying everything you could say. It's not just thinking everything you can think. It's not just believing everything you can believe, but it's actually getting to a point of intuition of feeling of confidence. And that doesn't happen overnight. There are no overnight successes. So if you can enjoy the consistent everyday, persistent without quit pursuit of that potential, if you have the desire to be what you must be, I promise you'll be happy on that journey and it will come much faster than those who attach their emotions to an outcome. David, preach. I love this. This is so important and it's coming at such an important time for so many people who are listening right now. David Meltzer, I mean, I just am, I'm so happy I got to know you in this last couple of months and I feel like it's a gift. Thank you. Your presence is my gift. Thank you so much. Much appreciated. Okay, so you guys crashing and burning? Yes, it's tough. Yes, it hurts. But what's even tougher? Hoisting yourself back up and getting knocked down again and again. But you know what? Watch the Olympics, everybody. These athletes, I marvel every single night. Their stories, comebacks from sometimes literal near-death experiences and accidents to get back on that international stage and sometimes even have a medal. Prove it all takes just pulling yourself up again and again and again and again. Thank you so much for listening to Everyone Talks to Liz. We're going to see you next time. And by the way, 3 p.m. Eastern on Fox Business, Monday through Friday. In case you miss me, I'm always there. 
I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.